Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research and broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. Hello and welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri. And I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Ron Shear. And Ron is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing. So we are lucky to have him today. And Ron, man, what is one thing you are doing? To enjoy your journey. This oh my week. goodness, Sean! I, I just uh, I love the thermometer right now. The, it's uh, it's finally cooled off. It seemed to me like the uh, summer was about eight months long. It just uh, seemed to go on and on and on. And and uh, I like cool weather. I really feel invigorated when it gets uh, when we get to these these kind of uh, nice uh, cooler temperatures. It's uh, I just really get fired up. And how about you? What have you been doing? So I was able to go down. I got to visit Table Rock Lake for the first time. Oh, that's a nice place. Yeah, over the weekend. So it was cool to kind of get the lay of the land there. And I've got a good friend that's got a nice boat. So I was able to check that out. Right. and Do a little uh, fishing? Uh, we were not able to this time. But in about a week or two, we're going to go down for my brother's bachelor trip and uh, hopefully snag some big ones. Now, I, I've heard that the bass fishing tournaments that happen at Table Rock Lake are some of the best in the country. Well, they they, they are kind of noted for that. And as you probably could tell, it's not it's not near the commercial place that the the Lake of the Ozarks is. It's yep. it's for I think it's for people who are pretty serious about fishing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that too. It was something for me that I uh, I could definitely see myself you know being down and around there more often. And our topic for this week is going to be evaluating different retirement withdrawal strategies and seeing what you know that might look like for most of our listeners. So we're going to break down some possible streams of income once people reach that retirement age to be able to draw from and figure out which one makes the most sense. So we need to thank the YouTube channel Money Evolution for the show idea today. But without any further ado, let's get into our discussion topics. And those are number one, Social Security, number two, pension income, number three, retirement, non-retirement assets or just regular individual investment accounts. Number four would be traditional assets like 401ks or traditional IRAs that are tax deferred. And then number five would be Roth assets. So we'll kick it off by asking you, Ron, what comes to your mind when you think of retirement withdrawal strategies? The more, the better. That's that's what comes to my mind. No, a lot of different things, Sean, and we're going to cover uh, we're going to cover this. But uh, I I think the key is, is that when you, uh, you you have actually through your work life and up to your retirement, you're in what's called the accumulation stage, and that's you're trying to, to gather wealth and get uh, get uh, your debt paid off. And then so that at the time when you do decide to call and tell the boss, hey, I'm not coming anymore, I'm not coming into the office, or I'm not go- going to work, that you actually have the income. And that's uh, that's what it's all about. And if you do your homework and you start early, it can happen for everybody. And yeah, and when you come into this industry for the first time and you get a firm grasp of just all the different sources of income that can come in, right. I do think this is an important conversation to have. And even having some knowledge on that front end 
can be huge. And as I dove into this first topic that we're about to talk about, social security, it's pretty clear that not everybody has a super firm grasp on the best way to navigate it. No, and and, and there's so much uh, misunderstanding about social security, and, and and I have to put Medicare in that same uh, in that same bucket. Uh, people don't really realize that Social Security and Medicare is a social program. That is true, but it's not a free program. People who work, and right now you're paying, uh, you're paying uh, for your future Social Security and Medicare Medicare benefits that you're going to draw at some age. And you know it's uh, currently 65. Uh, but you being such a young puppy, you probably <laughs> might be 70 by the time you uh, yeah by the yeah. time you get there. And it might, could even be be uh, you, they may hold you out of the system even longer. But nonetheless. It's, uh, it's out there. And I am interested to see how that change is going forward, but I'll be optimistic. I'll, I'll hope that they'll figure it out one way or another. Well, I, I think that there's enough uh, political charge in the Social mm. Security and Medicare program that, that uh, one thing the politicians have learned is that old folks vote, and, uh, yep. and they, vote, uh, they vote with their pocketbook a good many times, whether that's good or that's bad. But nonetheless, I do think that uh, most politicians are— are very, very careful about touching those two social programs. And if you're somebody that's wondering just how this conversation starts between somebody that's about to claim Social Security with a financial professional, one of the easiest ways that that conversation can start is through some financial planning software where you actually plug in the assets that you have, and it gives you a recommendation that allows that conversation to, to really get going. And the first point that needs to be made, you know, about people trying to figure out not only Social Security, but like you said, Medicare, Ron, is it's, it usually causes just a ton of stress and confusion, you know, for people that are heading into that situation. It does. It, it truly does. And, and it's once again, it's it's the fear of the unknown, but it's it's navigable. If you if you don't understand it, get somebody to help you. And and I recommend people in our office here. I mean, they'll walk you through it. But uh, there's a number one, one or two people. Uh, that have been through the process before, and it's, it's not as difficult as you might think it is. Absolutely. So some good things to know are, according to AARP.org, a surviving spouse can collect 100% of the late spouse's benefit if the survivor has reached full retirement age. But the amount that they can claim will be lower if the deceased spouse claimed benefits before he or she reached full retirement age. Right. And if you're wondering what full retirement age is, that's age 66 or 67. And so depending upon your year of birth, when you reach full retirement age, you can get full Social Security retirement benefits tax-free. However, if you're still working, part of those benefits that you're receiving from Social Security could be subject to taxation. And the last opening point on Social Security is that according to Forbes.com, for 2021, the maximum Social Security benefit is $3,011 per month at full retirement age. And those that wait to claim benefits at age 70 could receive as much as $3,895 per month if you wait to that final time period. And in case you were wondering, the average Social Security benefit in 2021 is $1,543 per month. So, Ron, what's your first bit of thoughts on some of those opening points on Social Security? Well, I, I think that uh, one of the thoughts I have is uh, Social Security is one of those entities that... Uh, would be in, in much better uh, sound financial shape. What's happened through the years is our Congress has seen the large pool of money that uh, that has typically been in the Social Security program, but because people 
uh, paid into Social Security. And, and what Congress has done, and it's, it's unconscionable, and here I go on a tirade about the government, but this is an absolute fact. They've taken money out of the Social Security pool, and they've thrown in a paper IOU. In other words, Congress, uh, the, the 86th Congress agrees to pay back the $4 trillion that we took out of Social Security. And if you think I'm kidding about that, I'm not. That actually has happened. And that's why sometimes there's a little stress on the Social Security program. And, uh, and that should not be. So that's one of my, my thoughts about that. Mm. Social Security is not a free program. If you look at your paycheck and you see FICA, that includes your Social Security future benefit and your future Amer- uh, Medicare benefit. You're paying that. You're paying it forward. You're paying it in advance is what you're doing. And that's a great way to set the table for just what people are going to see, you know, when they start to list out the different options that they have. And those three different options are you have the ability to, to take Social Security first at age 62. You can take it at full retirement age, which is 66 or 67. Right. Or you could take it at age 70, which is when you would get your maximum benefit. And along with this, you're going to get benefit estimates for each of these choices, meaning how much you would actually receive per month if you chose each one. It keeps it, you know, and it seems like it's a simple decision, but that's not always the case. So some of the mechanics are that if you file at age 62, you're probably only going to receive about 70% of your full retirement benefit. If you file at 66 or 67, that full retirement age, you're going to receive 100% of your expected benefit tax-free. And then if you file at age 70, you're going to receive 124% of your full retirement benefit as well. So some of the arguments that people can ask, you know, that I've seen when we were doing our research was people can make the argument, well, what if I die early? You know, I should start taking these these uh, Social Security benefits earlier, which, you know, I can understand where people are coming from with that. But at the same time, if you're patient, if you take care of your, your health, you know, it can make more sense to wait a little bit longer, right. you know. So do you have any initial takes, Ron, on just when is the right time for people to be drawing from that Social Security? Well, I, I think you have to, uh, to begin with, nobody knows at, at what point we're going to pass on. Only the Lord knows that. And he uh, he isn't uh, he isn't too good about sharing that with, with <laughs> us and, and for good reason. But uh, I think what you have to look at is I think you have to look at your life circumstances at the time when you become eligible at age 62 if uh, if that's the right thing for you to do and and I think you need to you need to get some help with that if if that's a struggle get someone that you can talk through that and I'll I'll have to tell you plainly I'm not a huge proponent of most government agencies but the social security office particularly in our area here in Franklin County which is over in Union Missouri it is shocking Mm. how much information they have and how professional those people actually are in dealing with just your Social Security case. They're absolutely awesome people. I can't say enough nice things about them. Mm. And that's so unusual for a government agency. And here again, um, uh, you, you know, most of us have experienced that. Social Security is the most pleasant surprise. The security office is the most pleasant surprise you're going to have. And that's good information. Well, to know, it really you know? is. I mean, they're just awesome people, and and they'll go the extra mile to explain to you exactly what uh, the Social Security program is going to do, when it's going to start, how it's going to work, and they'll do the numbers, crunch the numbers, and they'll be able to tell you and give you some some uh, some thumbnail sketch of which way might be best for you to do it. They don't make the decision for you, but they give you the information so that you can make an informed decision, and that's always the key. 
And for you as a listener to go into that conversation with just a little bit of head knowledge heading in, again, maybe consider waiting on claiming some of those benefits just in case that spouse of yours, you know, if you pass away unexpectedly, that spouse can receive that bigger benefit or that bigger cushion down the road if you're the sole earner to help them out because, again, they're going to be able to get that benefit that you claimed at a later time. And try to avoid claiming while you're still working because up to 85% of those benefits can be taxed if you claim before full retirement age. And just like you hit on, Ron, Social Security was always designed as a safety net, not a primary retirement plan. That is exactly right. Which I think is what some people think of it as. And some last few thoughts on it is that, you know, you get roughly 8% more benefit every year that you wait to take out Social Security. I was listening to a woman speak about this who she was ready to, to claim, um, you know, Social Security. And she looked back at her previous tax returns. And for whatever reason, they didn't report the earnings that she had made in like 1980, 81 and 82. And the financial professional was like, I can't really help you in that situation. So one of the ways that, that people can protect themselves is every year they, they need to check their tax form to be able to make sure that those earnings are actually reported to be able to claim those Social Security benefits. Yeah, and, 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 and too, Sean, I know that it's a technological world anymore, but the Social Security uh, Administration does have their own website, and it's mm. tailored to you with a password that changes uh, f- uh, very, very frequently so that it can't, I, could, I shouldn't say can't be hacked, but it, it's certainly difficult for someone else other than you to get in there. And you can look at what your Social Security benefit is. It'll show you, uh, you know, what your earnings have been from the first uh, first time you actually uh, uh, maybe had a paying job to where there was some actual Social Security or FICA withholding. And it'll tell you all of that in very, very good detail. And uh, I would recommend to people that uh, if, you, if you're not, you don't have access to a computer, and uh, maybe have a family friend or a child or, or someone who can navigate that and get that set up so that you can take a peek every now and again. Because it's a smart thing to do is to know where you stand with Social Security. It, it will be, uh, I mean, there's always a, an opportunity for error. I'll grant you that. But for the most part, it's absolutely a phenomenal website. And I can't say enough positives about the Social Security Administration. I love that. I love that. And from what I understand, at least the IRS keeps people's tax, re- tax returns for up to seven years, but it should be on the individual to be able to make sure that they take care and track what they've earned. So the second stream of income that we're going to talk about is pension income. And according to an article on personalcapital.com speaking about pensions, less than a third of Americans are retiring with a defined pension plan today. So for those who do not retire with a pension plan, or for those that do retire with a pension plan, the median annual pension benefit is $9,262 for a private pension, $22,172 for a federal government pension, and $24,592 for a railroad pension. So it's clear to see that pensions are not as popular nowadays than they used to be because only a third of people have them. But for some people, they're you know a piece of that pie and a viable income stream. So, Ron, what are your thoughts on the evolution of pensions and where they stand today? Well, when I first started in the business, defined pension plans. In other words, a defined pension plan is where you go to work for XYZ company and, and every year that you stay employed, uh, the pension the company puts in a certain amount or the government agency puts a certain amount into your pension plan so that at that magic age determined by your company at retirement, you can draw a, a pension. 
Now, that went through a, a pretty drastic uh, change uh, back uh, 30, 40 years ago to where we have uh, the defined pension plans went away. And we'll touch on this, but we had 401Ks. In the case of public quasi-government employees, you have a 403B. Um, but nonetheless, uh, what it's done is it's shifted the pension burden from the employer to the employee, and you know what people say? Well, that's a that's a you know that's just another way for a corporation to pay less money in benefits. That might be at the root of it, but the best part of it is is it puts you in control of what your future is as far as retirement's concerned, and that's a scary thing for some people because you know let's face it, there are those <laughs> who walk amongst us that don't have the greatest amount of self discipline in mm. putting away money for the for the rainy day or for the future. And uh, that's one thing the defined pension plan did for you, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a uh, it couldn't keep up in any way, shape, or form with uh, with what inflation does. I mean, the pensions are typically smaller than what you find today in the people who manage their own four hundred one k plans. It's much uh, it's a much larger pot of money, and we need a larger pot of money because expenses and, and inflation is taking its toll through the years. And that's good perspective, too, because I really don't know too many of my good friends that will go to work for a company and, and expect a pension at the end of it. You know, I think that they're going into it knowing that they're going to contribute to their yeah. 401k. They're going to have their own individual investment accounts. And that's it. You know, I don't think they expect that if, if a pension is still there today, it's unexpected. Well, guess, it's, and, sure. and that's uh, the other thing the government in push for this, because there are, you know, let's say, for instance, you uh, get within five years to retirement and you had a defined pension plan, and your company you worked for was a great solid company for for 25 of the 30 years you worked there, but then all of a sudden they financially struggled and actually went bankrupt and went out of business. What happened to your pension plan? Well, let Toast. me tell you what happened with it. Hmm. It was gone like yeah. dust in the wind, hmm. and the government, through the Pension Reform Act some years back, so decided that, well, you know, we're going to pick those things up. We're going to take and make these people whole, and it's uh, and it it's gotten to the point where the government can't do it, and uh, mm. that's why the shift for away from defined pension plans to uh, to a, a savings type of four hundred one k or four hundred three b. Yeah, no, it makes total sense too. And some great notes on pensions are that they are usually taxed at the ordinary income rate, and you can either take these as a lump sum or as monthly payments. And one good question that people should ask their employer is, is are there any benefits to delaying taking that pension to potentially get that bigger benefit down the road? Right. So I know we kind of breezed through this one, Ron, but do you have any final thoughts on pensions before we move on? Pensions are a good and lovely thing, whether someone's doing it for you or you're doing it yourself. I prefer to do it myself because I think I'm going to watch and manage my money a little more diligently than somebody else is going to manage my money for me, particularly a pension fund manager. Uh, not to say that in the time that they didn't do their jobs or still today they they do, uh, but still you have a vest you should have a vested interest in how your future uh, the money that you're going to live on in retirement you should have a vested interest as to how that's managed and I think uh, and for that uh, for that thought I think the defined pension plan is not as strong as as the four hundred one ks and four hundred three bs and in uh, in uh, savings mechanisms in that space. I think it's just better. It's superior for the uh, for the end user who is uh, who is clients like you and me and our clients. Yeah. And just a reminder, you're listening to the Journey Mindset podcast, and you can reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000 if you'd like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here. 
So the third income stream that we're going to look at once people hit retirement is non-retirement assets or individual investment accounts. And this one's kind of intriguing, Ron, because I think about people that have really started the investing journey, you know, within the past couple of years with all the craziness that's going on and what that's going to look like 40 years down the road. But when it comes to non-retirement accounts, usually this is the only place that you can draw, you know, investment returns or income from before retirement. Right. So the question that I wanted to ask you, Ron, is, you know, how do you think about non-retirement assets or individual investment accounts by the time you do get to that retirement age? Because I see, you know, before it's the only way you can get income. But once you hit that age, how do you think about those accounts? Well, I like those accounts for the simple reason that that most of that money that you have in a non-retirement account goes in uh, after taxes. And that means that when you uh, do need to have a need to take it out, there's a couple of things that, that, that uh, come to play there. You don't have to be 59 and a half mm. to, uh, to, uh, to take monies out of there without penalty. That money can come out at your uh, discretion at, uh, at any time. And he, I, I, think, uh, I think that uh, is, uh, is fairly important for the simple reason that no matter how much money you actually have in qualified plan, an IRA, uh, traditional IRA, Roth IRA, or a 403B or a 401K, or uh, that money comes out, uh, and usually, unless it's some very unusual circumstance, is always taxable. So in uh, money mm-hmm. in a, non, non, uh, a non-IRA or a non uh, uh, the lack retirement of, account. The retirement yeah. account. Yeah. You have access to that money, and I think that's incredibly important. You have some have to have some liquidity there. And some good things to know about individual investment account strategies are that this is not a bad place to consider putting some dividend income because these are usually only taxed at that fifteen percent rate. Right. So if you're in that highest tax bracket, that dividend income would be taxed at 20%. But again, that's like over $440,000 worth of of earnings, I believe. So make sure that you consider long-term capital gains before you place assets into these individual investment accounts because those could come back to bite you down the road. And if you have the ability and the flexibility to try to avoid the actively managed mutual funds in the individual investment account, you know, there are tax consequences that come along with those. So you can place those over into Roth accounts or ones that are tax deferred. So you don't have to incur all those taxes, you know, every year that they that they come out. And again, ETFs are kind of a newer investment vehicle that are usually a little bit more tax advantage. These are not a bad place, these individual investment accounts to consider putting those ETFs in. And so the next stream of income that we're going to talk about is the traditional investment accounts or 401ks or, you know, the traditional IRAs like we just talked about. Right. And from a withdrawal standpoint, when it comes to retirement, some financial planners will recommend that these traditional investment accounts, these might be the first places that people look because you have those tax deferred assets. These are usually 401ks, regular IRAs. And, you know, these are usually subject to RMDs at a specific point. And so if you're wondering, you know, how much is the usual percentage that people have to take out with RMDs, that starts at right around 4% and goes up a little bit more, you know, year after year after that. And traditional assets can help you fill an income gap in retirement, meaning, you know, we're expecting to have $40,000, $50,000 of income coming in. We know that maybe an additional ten dollars or $15,000 would still keep us in that same tax bracket. We can take that out of the traditional bucket, knowing that we're not going to have this huge tax bill that's coming along while allowing those tax-free assets to grow. 
So Ron, how do you view traditional or tax deferred assets in retirement? I, I, I like to take have income coming from several different pieces. And uh, that certainly is one of the pieces. The one thing I will say it uh, back in the 60s when uh, traditional IRAs and some of these uh, investment products were conceived, um, it was thought that we would be taking these required minimum distributions at a time when we were in a lower income bracket and uh, it would be less tax less taxes on it. That hasn't always proved out to, to, yep. to be true for the simple reason that the asset base of people who have these investments, uh, typically the, the, uh, the income that is actually, uh, that they're actually receiving keeps them in an arbitrarily <laughs> higher tax bracket. And yep. that's, you know, paying taxes is not always a cool thing, but it's not a bad thing either for the simple reason. If you're not if you're not paying any tax, it's because you're not making any. You're not making any money, yeah. and that's not necessarily a good thing either. I'd rather be able to to suffer a little bit and pay some taxes, but have the income. And I think most people would would agree with me. No doubt. And there's some interesting planning strategies that come into play too with traditional accounts, where you could right. look at converting those over to Roth assets, and that's something that you would sit down with a financial professional to look at. I, I think that's a, a point to really to to. Uh, to talk about, I think it, it, it can be life circumstances. I think it can be based on what your age is. Hmm. But uh, I think to convert from traditional to Roth IRAs and uh, go ahead and substitute the, ta- the taxes for recharacterizing uh, hmm. those uh, those assets uh, and moving from a traditional to a Roth, it makes sense for the majority of people. Yep. And I'd encourage uh, listeners to, to take a look at that. Hey, maybe that's a future show. We run through that next well, time. Well, you know what? Uh, there's a lot, a lot of good information there. And and we need to probably talk about that. No doubt. So the last types of investments that people usually place into these tax-deferred accounts are interest-bearing investments, such as like REITs or bonds or CDs, those that are not going to have the huge capital gains down the road, but ones that people may consider to be safer or more conservative assets. And the last type, Ron, that everybody loves are those Roth assets or those after-tax you know, assets that you know you can get tax-free in retirement. And these grow tax-free. There are no RMDs or required minimum distributions on these. And that's even if it passes to your spouse. And this is usually the last money that you should draw out of. And it makes the most sense to put your aggressive assets here. So this is usually what everybody shoots for, Ron. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about how nice it is to have these types of assets in a retirement account. You know, Sean, I'm, I'm of the belief that uh, when when the Roth uh, IRA was conceived, I, I think it was a great thing that uh, that the U.S. Treasury did through Congress. And uh, quite honestly, I think it's it's, it's not uh, consistent with what tip government in Congress typically does because uh, that's usually a pretty big money grab. And this Roth IRA is just an incredibly strong mm benefit for the taxpayer and and i i maintain that uh, if you you know if you don't have a roth you ought to start one mm-hmm. at some point in time particularly with the administration and the money that we spent uh, in some of these social programs to get through covid they're going to be you know they, they're going to be continually looking for more tax taxable ways to tax uh, the taxpayer and and i think that at some point in time I could see actually Congress kind of undoing the Roth IRA because it's too strong a tax benefit. Coming I mean, once that money yeah. gets put in there, it grows and it's all yours. I it's mean, incredible. they don't get one p- 
penny of it. And I think that's going to bother some people down the road, particularly those in Congress. I think so, too. And again, with what we've talked about on most of our shows, getting started as early as possible, what a huge benefit, you know, to be able to take that money out. That's incredible. Without having to pay taxes on it. So if you're somebody that's wondering, okay, I I am able to stack up a good amount of money in my retirement account. And if it's in a Roth IRA account where you're not having to pay taxes on it, If you're lucky enough to be one of those people that builds up a million dollars in a retirement account and you follow that 4% withdrawal rule, that's going to be about $40,000 worth of tax-free income you're going to be able to draw out just from that Roth IRA, just from one account. And if you are able to be lucky enough to have $2 million saved up in that account, 4% withdrawal on that would be $80,000 worth of income, which is more than enough than what most people want, you know, strictly from one income stream. In retirement, just a little frame of mind for people to be able to think about. Right. So in conclusion of our show today, guys, we talked about number one, Social Security, number two, pension income, number three, non-retirement assets, number four, traditional assets are tax deferred, and then number five, Roth assets. So before we wrap up our show today, Ron, do you have any final thoughts on these retirement withdrawal strategies. I do. I think it's it's wise to have a good mix of income sources and uh, and but but beyond that what I would say to the listener um, if if you're out there and you're 25 or 30 years old get started somewhere do it on your own or whatever you choose to do. It's not rocket science what we do here, but it does take work and it takes uh, it takes time on the job. You have to continually manage and con- continually watch how you're invested and but the key is, is start early. If you start early, you're going to have a happy ending. One of the saddest things we see in this office is, is uh, people that uh, come in and uh, they might be between 55 and 60 and they say to you, you know, well, I'm, I just had my 57th birthday and I think it's time for me to get serious about my retirement. <laughs> and, you kid. know, the truth of the matter is, is you, you don't want to crush anybody. You don't want to hurt their feelings. But the truth is, is you'd like to say, I wish you'd have been here 30 years ago, because that's the key. It's very, very difficult in those later years of your life. Your income is higher, and typically if your kids are grown and, and the dog has died, you, you do have more income uh, back you know, in the later years, but that's not the time to start. You have to start saving and preparing for your retirement early in your life. No doubt. And my final thoughts on our show for today is that Social Security, I'm 27 years old. Man, I hope it's around when I get to that point. I, I, I think it will be. I, I hope so, too, but I'm not counting on that to be a huge chunk of the pie, you know, by the time I get to that point. Pension income's not not a factor in my retirement plan. <clears throat> Non-retirement assets, I, I mean, people like to have fun with their individual investment accounts. Totally understand that. Traditional assets, if you're going to work for a company, that's usually going to be the ones that you're going to have to draw from. And you can get some good tax strategies off of tax-deferred money. And then number five, that's the one you want to try to pile your most money into, those Roth assets, those tax after-tax that are going to come out tax-free can be such a huge, huge help you know, for what people want to try to do when they hit that final retirement age. So the reason for the podcast and the real heart behind all of our messages lies in the gospel. We believe that God sent his only son Jesus to this world with a message of good news. The good news is that we as humans do not need to earn our way into heaven. Instead, we need to repent of the current way that we live, living for ourselves in our own personal glory, and instead choose to invite Jesus into our lives to follow his word, what we believe to be truth. Ultimately, we believe Jesus, after living a perfect life here on earth, was put to death for no other reason other than saying he 
was the Son of God, thus being put to death for our sins, which he knew was going to happen. And we wholeheartedly believe that we were all created to do good works, rooted in truth, what we know to be God's word, driven by love, with this newfound freedom, as a response to this good news. So, so as always, guys, be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or visit our company page, cornerstone2invest.com, and reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000. If you would like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here at Cornerstone Financial, and our goal is to always get to know your particular situation, and to see how we can help. So big thank you for tuning in today. We love being on 99.9 KFAV.